Welcome to the Vaccination Station. My name is Dave, and today I'm interviewing Heather Simpson. Heather, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Heather, tell me three things about yourself that you think the audience would find interesting. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, okay. So the first thing that comes to me, and this is I don't know if anybody would find this interesting, but I'm allergic to almost everything. <laughs> All food groups. Um, I'm, a, I'm severely allergic to like oatmeal and bread and milk and eggs and all that. So that makes life kind of a challenge, but an interesting one. Um, the second one is I used to act and that kind of um, has come to bite me in the butt a little bit. I, um, I did a film for Fox called Vampire Suck. I had a tiny part. I looked like Lady Gaga. And so it was making fun of uh, Twilight. And because of that, the rumors in the anti-vax world spread that I was this hired actress. And um, it just created this whole rumor. It was hilarious. But I was like, man, I wish I was getting paid to talk about that vaccines um and then the third is i dressed as the measles for halloween last year not 2020 but 2019 and it went viral and now i am pro-vax which was a turn of events that i did not see coming well that's quite an opener and it leaves us with plenty to discuss even without anything else i want to start then by talking about your personal journey from anti-vax to pro-vax but I want to get a bit of background first so your parents for example are they anti-vax or were they ever anti-vax at, at one point and did they get you vaccinated as a child they have always been pro-vax um I was vaccinated as a child. I actually had to get my Hep B series as a teenager because um, in 1990, they didn't give it to you at birth. Um, so they have always been pro-vax. My dad just received the COVID vaccine and he always gets his flu shot. So I was raised uh, very pro-vax. Okay, that's, that's interesting. So you were raised in a pro-vax household and you were fully vaccinated with no ill effects apparently yes nothing and yet at some point you decided vaccines were bad talk me through the process that led you to that conclusion um so in 2011 i barely poked myself with a rusty not even a rusty an antique piece of jewelry and i ran to the doctor to get a tetanus shot just because that's just it just was what i did um, and I got a flu shot in 2015 for school. I was fine. Um, but when my husband and I started talking about having kids and getting pregnant, it was like, oh my God, this life is in my hands now. And so I was kind of in a vulnerable state when I found um, an ad for a documentary series um, about vaccines. 
And the way that this ad was run, it, it kind of made you feel guilty for not watching it. It's kind of like, if you love your child, you'll investigate this. Like you'll watch this. And so I taped and it was horrifying. Like just, it, I think it was nine hours worth. And it just blamed every, everything on vaccines. And by the time I was done, I was like, oh my gosh, I was, I was terrified. I was convinced that if we gave our daughter Charlotte a shot, that she would die in her sleep that night. Like that was the level of horror I felt towards vaccines. So that's interesting because this actually ran contrary to your personal experience and your parents' personal experience. I, I don't know the the position of your your husband, whether he'd come from a Provax household or not. Yes, he did. Um, yes. He did. Okay. So this information ran contrary to everything that you had experienced about vaccines so far. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting because one of the arguments anti-vaxxers use most often is, well, this was my experience and you cannot deny my experience. And my experience has convinced me that, that vaccines are dangerous. That is easier to understand when say their child has had an adverse reaction to a vaccine or they believe their child has had a, an adverse reaction say for example their their child is diagnosed with some kind of deficiency some immunodeficiency or, or whatever and they conclude the vaccine must have been responsible yeah but you had no such experience to to draw on or to provoke you in in that direction so how was it that this information which seems to have been you know the classic anti-vax tidal wave of just throw everything at you including the kitchen sink and overwhelm you with a deluge of stuff that's all so heavy and and shocking you it, it sounds compelling because it's it's too much to take in and all you can take in is the, the scary parts which is what they want mm -hmm. what particularly was it about that that made you think well, setting my, all of my experience with the vaccines aside, aside, this sounds reasonable and compelling. What, what, was the, what was the critical point there? I think part of it is that the schedule has um, been ramped up a lot. So when I was watching this documentary series, I was like, oh, well, I, ha I didn't get this one as a child. I didn't get this one. And so I didn't have any personal experience to draw from. I think in my case, because I'm not an X-faxer is what we call them, <laughs> like someone with a child that I believe was injured from a vaccine and therefore I'm anti-vax. Someone that is not an X-fax person is kind of in a scarier position. And what I see um, happening in the future is these vulnerable moms or pregnant mothers that are trying to figure out what to do are going to read the stories like I did. And they're not even going to try it for themselves. Like I didn't try it for myself. I just believed the fear because fear speaks so, so deeply to me. Um, and I just, I didn't even try. And so I think it's almost scarier. You have all these pregnant moms that are going to read these horror stories and they don't want to damage their child. So they, they're going to be terrified. 
Yeah, I can relate to that because I'm a parent and I have two children, a, uh, a daughter who's uh, turning 12 this year and, and a son who's just turned 10. And when my wife and I um, became parents for the first time, we went through all the normal anxieties that you go through as, as a new parent, even before the, the, the child is born. Are we going to get it right? How do you get it right? You know, after years of criticizing other people's parenting, now we've got it to it ourselves. How, how embarrassing is it going to be when we mess it up? And then, you know, all the things that can go wrong in the first five years uh, or even during the pregnancy, um, you know, so you, all of this stuff goes around your head and you become super aware of any potential dangers in, in the house, even before the child's a, a toddler, yes. uh, you know, are the, is, are these blankets safe? Is this, is this crib safe? Um, you know, are these bottles safe? And you, you start to get very paranoid about it. My wife came from a, a family that was not really pro-vax. They were vaccine, vaccine hesitant at best. Okay. Uh, I came from a pro-vax family and I was vaccinated against everything except a couple of vaccines, which weren't officially on the, the state schedule at, at that time. So I ended up catching um, chickenpox and measles, uh, and I think whooping cough. Um, and none of those were uh, much fun. Um, especially the, especially the measles. I've got an identical twin brother and the measles actually damaged the eye muscles, uh, my, my twin brother's eye muscles. And he had to have an operation, uh, at around the age of, I don't know, somewhere between five and eight, I think it was around eight. He had to have an operation to, to fix them. And that, even at a young age, that left me with a very strong impression of just how dangerous these childhood um, diseases are. So my experience was I was vaccinated against a lot of stuff. I didn't get any of this. I didn't catch any of the stuff I was vaccinated against. The stuff I wasn't vaccinated against, I caught, and it was utterly miserable. Oh my Plus, my twin brother had to have his eyes repaired before the age of 10 because measles had damaged them. Now, that left a pretty strong impression oh on gosh, me. Yeah. Can he see? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can see. I mean, we, we've both, you know, we've both got short-sightedness. Okay. Um, it just weakened his, his muscles, and they just needed to be sort of, you know, tweaked back and, and tightened up or whatever they did to them. I don't quite understand what they did to them, but it, it is a, it is a side effect of, of measles that it can damage eyesight. He was lucky to get away with that. Um, so yeah, he, he's perfectly fine. But, but you know, when you, when at that age, you see your, your twin brother in a hospital bed with his eyes bandaged and um, his, his arms restrained so he can't touch his eyes by accident. It's a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty scary thing to see. So for me, I'd had some very strong experiences right. that left me in no doubt from a very early age that vaccines are probably a damn good idea. <laughs> now, this was the thinking that I brought to to parenthood because you know, going through that paranoid phase when you're still working things out and it's your first child. So you, you want to get everything right, but you know, you, you still get a few things wrong. For me, that paranoid phase made, made me all the more determined to ensure that my children would be fully vaccinated. And, and so that's what we did. We got like, we got our kids fully vaccinated because I, 
I knew from personal experience and and from knowledge by that stage, having grown up and learned about vaccines, the vaccines are safe and effective and that they do the job they're meant to do. I can understand why other parents go in a different direction. But for me, that on the basis of my experience and my knowledge about vaccination, that's what that's what um, you know led me to to conclude that yeah, we were going full Provax. And of course, yep, we um, we had our first child fully vaccinated. We got our second child fully vaccinated, um, and things have just gone on as they are. We've had no adverse reactions or anything, so it's all been pretty good. good. Since since um, starting the vaccination station on Facebook, I've actually gone back to my local vaccine clinic and I've got a couple of vaccines that I missed when I was a kid. Oh, good. I got the MMR, for example, um, which strictly speaking, I, I don't actually need because um, I'm unlikely to catch rubella uh, and I've already had measles and I probably won't get mumps, but you know, uh, at any rate, it's, I, I like the idea of being up to date. Plus, if any anti-vaxxer says to me, oh, but have you had that vaccine? I can say, well, yeah, I have. I had two doses, my two doses of the MMR, and I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, so, that is an argument. Um, <laughs> plus, in Australia, we use a, uh, a multi-dose tetanus vaccine. I usually get a tetanus vaccine every every five years. They're normally good for about every 10, but I normally do it every five years or, and it's normally prompted by something silly. Like I, I um, fell off a roof and cut my arm on the gutter on the way down. So uh, I went and got a um, tetanus booster just to be on the safe side. Yeah. And ours comes with uh, diphtheria and pertussis. Yeah, so it's um, tetanus, diphtheria and pertussis. So I've had those as well, which is what, which vaccines I didn't get as a kid, but it does mean, so, so I'm now, I'm, I'm actually um, fully vaccinated further down the track because I've had measles as a child, I will need to get the shingles vaccine when I'm plus uh, 50 plus or, or whenever it kicks in. But yeah, I am now fully vaccinated and I'll get my flu shot and that, and that kind of thing. So also on the basis of that experience, I can relate to you when you say, yes, the vaccine schedule seemed to have been okay when I was a kid, but it has changed. There have been more vaccines added and I've got no experience with these vaccines and I don't know what they could do. And other people are telling me horror stories about their experience with these vaccines. When I was creating the vaccination station, I decided to see how much the schedule had changed. And I found that only five vaccines have been added to the schedule, the US and, and Australian schedules, over the last 30 years. Only five vaccines. Now, that's that's not many. That's not many vaccines at all. Um, they and made it sound like so much more. <laughs> Yeah, well, anti-vaxxers like to count doses rather than actual shots because that gives you a higher number. And if it's a <laughs> if it's a um, if it's a multi-dose vaccine, like it it covers say two or three diseases, they will count each one of those as a separate vaccine. They're not. They're one vaccine that covers you for two or three different diseases. So the number of doses even hasn't changed very much uh, at all. Um, and uh, the number of shots certainly hasn't changed a great deal. So yeah, only five vaccines have been added in the last 30 years. And that's all of a sudden we're dealing with quite a small number there over 
a, a quite a considerable period of time. And this is not the kind of dramatic overkill that anti-vaxxers want, to, want us to think. Yeah. I've got an infographic on this that I'll, uh, I'll send you later. So that's the, that's the first thing. Because I, I also thought when I started hearing these arguments from anti-vaxxers, like, okay, that, that does seem at face value to be a reasonable objection. Has the schedule changed that much? And then I went and found that, had, that it hadn't. And then I, then I thought, well, what about doses? Have they changed much? No, doses haven't changed much. And I went and, and looked at other factors, like how many, how many actual shots? No, the number of shots hasn't changed much either. And the other interesting thing is that the vaccines we are using today are so much more efficient and effective than the ones that we used, uh, say, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Even as early as 1980, we, things have changed a lot. So in 1980, the average child by the age of four was protected against seven diseases with vaccines containing a total of 15,096 antigens. Those are the, the, the parts of the vaccine that actually trigger the, the immune system. Right. By 2017, the average 18-year-old was protected against 16 diseases with a total of only 177 antigens. That is- so there's actually less, there's fewer antigens in the vaccine than there have ever been um, since vaccination was invented. And I've, I've got an infographic on, on this too, which you, which you might find useful. So the amount of, of antigens in vaccines has dropped substantially because the vaccine manufacturing methods have become, you know, have been improved and right. vaccines are far more efficient th- these days. And some of the methods we use, we can stimulate the immune system without using so many antigens, which means the active ingredients have actually come down a huge amount. So this too, when I started looking into it, I was thinking, this is actually the opposite of what I've been told by anti-vaxxers. The active ingredients are, are dropping, not growing. Mm-hmm. The number of vaccines added to the schedule is not high. The number of doses is, is not excessive, has not changed much at all. And in fact, vac- vaccines seem to be um, safer and more inf- efficient than ever, which, which is actually true. So that all this kind of information, you know, I, I found very, very helpful when I started to, to discuss and, and debate the issue with anti-vaxxers. Um, I was going to say um, antigens... For me personally, I feel like I'm kind of, I was kind of a weird anti-vaxxer. If, if we just took antigens with saline and that was all that was in the vaccine, I would have felt fine. And I know that's not how vaccines work. I know, I know that you have to stimulate the immune system, but um, what I've noticed about anti-vaxxers is that it's, it's not even about the ingredients anymore. I mean, it is for sure, but it's, um, they believe that your body was designed perfectly to fight infection by itself. And so um, the problem with that is, would you not wear glasses if you needed help to see, you know what I mean? And so um, you won't just find that breaking down every ingredient to some of these uh, people, you'll find that it does nothing because overall they just believe that your body is designed to handle itself with no medicine, no help whatsoever. 
Yeah, that's a very a very good point because especially religious anti-vaxxers, especially Christians, they will say God designed our bodies in a certain way. He gave us immune systems that keep us protected from diseases. Yes. We don't need these artificial man-made stimulants on top of that. They're artificial, they're not natural and blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, the reality is there's nothing unnatural in the vaccine. Uh, sure, the delivery method is unnatural. We, we don't find animals running around poking each other with uh, hibernating in, in nature, um, which is probably a good thing. Uh, but there's nothing in the vaccine that could be described as artificial. They're all they're all things that are found in nature, particularly in the case of active vaccines, particularly that the traces of the virus. So there's, I mean, there's, there's nothing in the vaccine that could be described as as not having originated in, in nature. nature. You know, um, but I that's do, funny. Yeah, that's so true. I I, I do get that argument. I, I can see why people find it logically compelling. I'm a Christian myself, so I understand that there is a very strong reservation among some aspects of the the christian community when it comes to science there's a feeling that science is encroaching upon fields that uh, are solely the domain of god and the bible and that science has no right to step into these fields and must keep its distance because if we allow science to encroach too far then we begin to lose some of the essentials of of our faith and our worldview could potentially crumble i understand all of that and i've been through all of that, you know, growing up as, as a child, as a young adult, and as an older adult now, and learning and, and changing my mind on, on various issues related to science. Right. So I can relate to that and I can and I can sympathize with it because I was a fundamentalist Christian myself for most of my life. Yeah. So I understand where people are coming from there, although it was not something that I ever I ever embraced. I didn't ever embrace that thinking about vaccines. I always right. felt vaccines were, were really great. Of course, the the flaw in saying, well, our bodies have these these inbuilt mechanisms, is that those inbuilt mechanisms are not always good enough. Right. And sometimes circumstances um, are just are just not right, or, or our bodies are encounter a disease at a point when we are weaker than normal or we encounter a, a brand new disease that our body has no way to fight right. because it has no experience with it before. Yeah. And sometimes our body is able to get it right and fight it off. But a lot of the time it doesn't. And that is precisely why for most of human history, the average lifespan has been around 40 years. <laughs> now, that is largely, of course, due to massive infant mortality rates. But even when you account for those and, and balance it out, the average life expectancy has not been much higher than 40 years. And, you know, in in the ancient world, in the classical world of, of the Greeks and Romans, living beyond 60 was, you know, pretty unusual. And people who were 70 or 80, you know, were seen as practically immortal. And this is one of the reasons why, uh, old age and wisdom was were seen as going together and, and venerated so much because if you live that long, you must've got a few things right <laughs> and you must know something about life. <laughs> so human history itself shows us that during the very long period of human history, when we didn't have modern medicine and we didn't have vaccines and we ate what we can 
probably accurately described as a purely organic diet with no art so-called artificial fertilizers or anything mm -hmm. we didn't live very long and life was pretty horrible <laughs> and then we started developing things like science and medicine and we got vaccines and we developed plastics and and we started to expand our use of chemicals and our lives became a lot more artificial, if you like, and we developed nuclear energy and, and electricity and all these other great things. All of a sudden, our lifespan shot up tremendously. Interesting. How Somewhere along the line, <laughs> those things contributed to a much better situation for the human species. Yes. Um, I think God used so, you know, for that purpose. I think God uses doctors for the purpose of surgeries and and vaccines and medication and god has created these people to enrich our lives and i'm i'm a believer that god is on top of medicine like he is the head of medicine like he he had a plan for all of this to come about and i just think it's really cool and i think it's interesting that anti-vaxxers and something that i was convicted of is that i live in a world with vaccines so I don't have to deal with polio and all those things. I don't have to be scared that my daughter is going to get polio and be paralyzed, you know? So I am a product of vaccination, fighting vaccination. <laughs> That's how I was. That's the funny irony, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever met anyone who's, who's had polio? My uh, grandmother's brother, um, he's still alive and he has been in a wheelchair, um, paralyzed from the waist down, I believe, since he was four, I believe. Wow, that is pretty severe. And, and that it, that's a window into a, a much darker time yeah. before we had the vaccine. Uh, I also have a friend who, who had polio as a child. Uh, he's Italian and lives in Western Australia. And he can walk, but not without crutches because his, his legs have been permanently damaged and, and twisted. And again, growing up, that was a, another thing that left me very convinced that vaccines are better than no vaccines. Yeah. Uh, because however well made the human body is, it, it just can't always do everything perfectly sometimes you know that the, sometimes the virus wins that's the bottom line in in the war of of nature and and the war of immune systems against diseases sometimes we win and sometimes the diseases win and that's just how it's been through through history um so, yeah that was a, another reason why i concluded that that vaccines were better um yeah. a good idea yeah let's move on then to some of the key arguments that you found most compelling you've mentioned the number of vaccines added to the schedule the, the fact that new vaccines have been added that you had no experience with that you didn't know much about right what was it about those vaccines that caused concern or what were the claims made about those vaccines that led you to think they could be potentially harmful? Um, so there was a meme that was spread around um, that a nurse had never seen a case of SIDS that did not have a well child visit within 72 hours before. 
And that was at um, the two month, four month and six month mark. And um, when I read that meme, I did not even try to see if it was true. I just, I just believed it. And that was something that made me think, oh my goodness, this many vaccines in one well child visit is going to kill my child. <laughs> that's all it took, just one meme. Like, and that's embarrassing to say that, but that, that is how online culture is and that's how scary it can be. So I've seen that meme before and as much as I know what's wrong, I'm sometimes confused about what it's actually trying to convey. Uh, yeah. This meme is not specific about what's supposed to be happening at this wellness check, nor is it explicit about how the wellness check contributes to SIDS um, or what the connection America, is supposed to be. Yeah, in America, typically, so, like, wellness check is the check. It, it is a visit for the vaccines, but that mean doesn't okay. specify. And I, I don't even know what country this this woman is from. Um, mm. So that is a good question that, so, yeah. And this is, this is something I've noticed. There's a lot of ambiguity in memes like this. And I have to start wondering if it's deliberate because the funny thing about ambiguity is that the human mind being what it is, our, our minds are programmed to recognize patterns, which is how we make sense of the world. And, that, and that's why signs and symbols are used you know, for, for traffic management and that kind of thing. Our minds are really great at noticing patterns. It's one of the ways we, we recognize faces, for example. Right. But the drawback is that when there is insufficient information provided, our brain has a tendency to fill in the missing information with whatever we think is reasonable or likely or possible and that can lead us to some very wrong conclusions so an open-ended meme that's a bit ambiguous that seems to associate a couple of ideas but doesn't specify what the connection is can be dangerous because it leads you to fill in the blanks even subconsciously really without actually thinking through a process there you just feel in whatever you think is most likely. And that in this case, whatever scares you most. So for a lot of people that will be vaccines or, or something else that's happening at the wellness check, or did they take my baby out of my sight for five minutes? So what did they do to my baby when I, I didn't see my baby for five minutes? You know, uh, was I in another room? All of this kind of thing. So the meme is actually very clever in that way, whether intentionally or not, because yes. it plays on fears uh, in a way that takes advantage of pattern recognition and the natural human tendency to fill in information that's not provided with something that we relate to. Now, that's quite a powerful psychological trick. And it's typical of, of the way anti-vax propaganda works. So it tends to be highly emotional, um, highly psychological, and very light on the science for obvious reasons. So yeah but when you step back and you look at it and you say what is this meme actually saying it's saying this happened and then this observation was made but where is the connection between those two things now yeah it's quite likely uh, it, and that's assuming of course that the claim is even true Let's assume that the claim is true that the nurse has never seen a wellness check without a, a a case of SIDS 
even if that was true, it would simply mean that the nurse has seen many cases of SIDS. However, it doesn't actually prove any kind of, of connection. To me, it just shows that memes um, in, in the place that I was at, um, memes were all that I needed to freak myself out. And I developed this huge community of anti-vaxxers on Facebook. We all became friends with each other and we would share these memes and just eat it up. And um, there was no knowing like where these memes were coming from. We didn't have to prove anything. It just fed into the spirit. Like we didn't have to believe that correlation does not equal causation. Like to them and to me at the time, the fact that autism and SIDS and all these things were rising at the same time as vaccines were rising, that was enough. But what they didn't think about is, and what I didn't think about is everything else is rising too. Eating ice cream is rising. Like I eat a lot more ice cream than in the nineties, you know what I mean? So um, you could really contribute that to anything. But since your brain, like you were saying is, looking for that it fills in that gap um i also wanted to bring up aborted fetal cells um as a christian that was a big one that uh, got me on the guilty um the guilty factor of becoming anti-vax was the, va the vaccines that have uh derived from aborted fetal cells what people would do and what anti-vaxxers would do is say, if, well, these vaccines came from them, that's why I'm an anti-vax, but they wouldn't vaccinate with the other vaccines that did not come from them. And then um, now that I am pro-vax, they are asking me, like, how are you okay with this? How are you a Christian and you're okay with this? And um, well, you have what the babies that were um, used or the, the fetuses that were used back in the 60s. To me, I don't believe we should continue with the use, but it's already happened. And I believe that God works all things for together for our good. And so that is um, something that, do I wish it wouldn't have happened? Yes. Do I not want it to happen in the future? Yes. But I do believe that God worked that for the good of us. Yeah, I think that is a, a very healthy way of looking at it. With regard to these these cells, it's important to note, of course, well, the first thing to remind anti-vaxxers is that neither of these abortions were performed for the purpose of acquiring a fetus right. for use in vaccine manufacture. That you know, it just happened to be that. Two women at different times had chosen to have abortions for whatever reason. And the cells from those fetuses proved to be particularly useful. They had all the right conditions um, to be used as growth media for, uh, for vaccines. Right. Now, firstly, this is very different from actually using them as ingredients. They're not used right. as ingredients, yeah. they're used <laughs> as part of the growth medium. And secondly, the purpose of the abortions and the abortions had no relevance to vaccination. So, I, again, I think this is a you know this is one of the most tenuous arguments ever. Even as a Christian, I find this an incredibly weak and tenuous argument. Now, 
again, coming from Australia, where abortion is nowhere near the kind of hot button issue that is in America. In fact, uh, American Christianity is is more vexed about abortion than almost any other form of Christianity in, in the Western world. The average Christian in, in say, um, Australia or the UK, for example, is far more on board with it. We don't have the level of of anti-abortion sentiment that you do over in America, even within our own Christian populations. Yes, we do have our fun- fundamentalists who are really hardcore about this, uh, but they are a tiny, tiny minority. They have, you know, they don't have political power like like yours do over in in the states. So. For people outside the states, particularly Christians outside the states, this is a, a bit of a uh, why, why are you getting so worked Not up about this kind of issue? Okay. So it's it's a very yes. different culture. I've been to the states a couple of times, and and I've spoken to feel Christians who feel strongly on this issue. So I, I do understand where where they're coming from, but again, the fact that the abortions were not performed for the sake of procuring cells for vaccines is to me the critical point. Yes, how, in that is. way, how is it relevant? How is the abortion now relevant to the issue? I just don't. I just don't see it. Would would they be? Would they? Would it be acceptable if the children had died of natural causes? If so, exactly. how is that any yeah. different? Yeah, it sounds so insensitive to say, "Oh, well, if this fetus is dead, then are like, what are we going to do besides bury it? I mean, there's nothing else sure. to do. So what is the point? And so when you were saying a child dying of natural causes, that that is an interesting point. And I'm not sure what they would have to say to that because I feel like they would say, yes, it's okay. <laughs> so, and how would that make it any yeah. better? You see, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, um, so the other interesting thing, of course, that in 2005, the Catholic Church issued a formal statement yeah on this issue advising that the use of vaccines produced with human cell strains is morally justified until a suitable alternative can be found so even the catholics who are pretty hardcore on on abortion and and birth control um even the catholics have, have officially said you know this is not something to to reject the yes. the necessity of vaccination outweighs any other considerations here and yes. since these these uh, abortions were not performed for the sake of producing material for vaccines. And, and since there is no alternative at, at the present for these vaccines, then for the time being, it's permissible. So, you know, the, I just don't find this a very, even as a Christian, I don't find this a, a very, a very compelling argument at all, because uh, it, it, it just seems to rely on the yuck factor, really, more than anything else. These people did something terribly bad with these, with these fetuses, and that is somehow linked to vaccination. Therefore, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's sort of a guilt, more of a guilt by association thing, really. I want to bring something up, and this this just kind of came to mind. Doctor, is it Stanley Plotkin? He there is a video of him testifying that they used what seventy six aborted babies for vaccines, and that video spread like wildfire. And I don't know the context. It would be interesting to dive deeper into that. But I do know that a lot of anti-vaxxers don't just believe the two aborted fetal cells. They believe it's a continuation, like currently aborting babies. 
Yeah, um, I am familiar with with that video, and and I'm also familiar with it that associated anti-vax trope. Uh, yeah, so it's obviously completely false that babies are constantly being aborted for uh, for vaccines. The whole point is we don't need to do that because we have got these these cell strains WI38 and MRC5, um, and they've been going strong since the 1960s. So there's never been any need for for more babies to be aborted. The video in which Plotkin is is um, testifying, I can't quite remember the context, but from memory, and I will uh, stand to be corrected on this, I think from memory, he's referring to other aborted fetuses that were that were either provided or made made available, but they weren't actually used because you know. Of all the ones that were of all the ones that were available, only two were were suitable. I see. Yeah, and that I'm that... pretty sure that's what, what he's that's what he's saying. It's something along those lines. At any rate, he certainly is not saying that seventy odd fetuses were aborted for the purpose of procuring uh, ingredients for vaccines. He's not saying anything like that. Right. But they um, did send that. To that. <laughs> yeah. And Plotkin has certainly been misquoted and misrepresented left, right, and centre by by anti-vaxxers, which is is what you'd expect. So yeah, I I'm happy to be corrected, but I'm pretty sure that that's the context. And at any rate, he's definitely not saying what one anti-vaxxers claim he's he's saying. Okay.